Hi, sorry for the slightly late start. That's my fault. My uh, modem stopped working and I had to restart it and that was a whole thing. But hi, welcome back to What's the Damage? Companion show to the incredibly and popular real play D&D show, A Roll for Damage. Look out for action figures coming to a toy store near you. Some internal conflict in the Shields of Twilight this week, as the emotional consequences of Dobby's death hit everyone hard, but especially Quinn and Perry. They're um, they're not doing good emotionally right now. Apart from that, we got to know Jay's new character, Campion, and his fabulous middle puppy. Then we finally made it out of that damn desert and straight into some more wonderful mortal peril. The party came to the village of the Oshadin only to find it in ruins, everyone dead, and a mysterious figure walking among the bodies, slitting the throats of any survivors. The identity of this figure was revealed immediately. It was Liz and she kicked the party's ass pretty handily. Um, <laughs> the fate of the Shields of Twilight remains unclear. And we're gonna to talk to a couple of our no doubt very nervous players right now. As always, stick around after the stream for links and resources. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. Joining me today is the wonderful Jake, who plays Oriana, and the absolutely fabulous Laura, who plays Peregrine. How are you doing, guys? <laughs> What's the damage? <laughs> I mean, did you see the last episode? <laughs> I did. Pretty sure it was in the, the triple digits there. Um... I didn't watch it live, though, because that was my birthday. Um... <laughs> Thank you. I'm old now. Um, yeah, anyway, so, so about being old. I'm so old, I'm ancient, you guys. I'm wasting. I'm wasting away before your eyes. An ancient being. Serenity's uh, playing in the background because she's ten years older than me. <laughs> I mean, I literally just turned thirty-three this year. <laughs> Oh my God, is your mic on or are we just like smiling at nothing right we're now? We're just smiling at nothing. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. She has compared herself to the, the bones in Temple of Doom. Is that what I just heard? I wasn't really listening. Uh, um. No, apparently she <laughs> is what happens when you drink from the wrong cup. Um, in Last Crusade. Crusade. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, has been a lich this whole time. That's the dark secret of the Roll for Damage Network. Anyway, hi guys. Um, you had an emotionally intense and also physically intense uh, episode on Friday, but let's start with a happy note. Uh, what do your guys' characters think of your new buddy Campion and his dog, whose name is either Greybeard or Greybone, depending on who you ask? And sometimes you can ask the same person and get a different answer, apparently. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Kind of kind of weird. Oriana's still kind of numb from Dobby. I don't know if she's really getting to know this guy yet or if it's just kind of like the idea of uh, just being polite. Yeah, I mean, Perry's kind of in the same boat. Um, she thinks he's interesting. Um uh, someone else who's as fascinated with the world as she is. Um, but at the same time, she's still reeling from the fact that we lost Dobby. And that has kind of made it so she doesn't necessarily want to, like, connect with everybody right now. Mm-hmm. What if she I connect to him and he dies? Um, <laughs> what if he dies, too? Uh, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of connection, though, Oriana and Baltaim actually had a weird little bonding session. Um, I don't know, was, has Ori been like meaning to speak more to her companions or did Dobby dying kind of just make her think maybe I should get to know these people before they also die? I mean, <laughs> Oriana grew up reading, you know, fantasy books of heroes and heroism and damsels in distress and all that kind of jazz you know the standard fantasy fair um but she's always kind of viewed people's lives as stories to be told and with dobby gone she's realized she doesn't really know a lot about him not that she hasn't tried to get to know him but he was very closed off especially with oriana it's it felt like um and she doesn't want that to happen uh for everyone else because in her mind your story lives beyond you and the fact that dobby's story now really only has sinrik who can tell it it means that his story is at risk of being lost so she's slowly gonna make her way around to pretty much everybody and try and learn more about them um but baltaim was probably the person she's talked to the least so she was like hey let's start here What's your deal? Is she gonna start on her epic ballad then as the bar of the group? Uh, I mean, she's always been working on stories and songs in the background. Um, when we faced the the Druid issue back in, I forget the name of the town. Um, Dahana? There. Yes, thank you, Laura. Uh, <laughs> note taker um, of the group. Um. Yes, yes, yes. Our, our best note taker for sure. Um, but yeah, when we've finished up in Dahana, she started uh, writing like a poem about the, the whole event to chronicle the story as she understood it. Um, so that it could be 
a story to learn from, especially given the whole nature of it, of people not agreeing and fighting and it causing such destruction. Interesting. It's a very bardic way of looking at things, I think. Um, yeah, so Orion actually had quite a role play session at the top half of the of the episode. You had um, also an inter interesting interaction with Quinn when he stole your bag. Yes. Um, I mean, he kind of asked for it, but he had no intention of returning it, so yes. <laughs> um, she's getting a little frustrated with Quinn, and I think the talk really kind of helped some re relieve some of that tension. But before, even before Dobby died, he was pretty much actively ignoring her and avoiding her because of the whole kiss thing which she wanted to give him a little bit of shit about, but in actuality just wanted to be able to talk to him about, um, to just kind of resolve the issue. And he was just kind of kept pushing it off, pushing it off, pushing it off. And then he just closes off completely after Dobby's death. And at that point, Oriana is now pissed at him because she doesn't want him to just close himself off to everybody and just ignore everybody and become either a liability or a risk to the party as a whole she wants him to be a part of the team and especially after she in her eyes dobby uh sacrificed himself he did something he did not have to do he did not have to go up and try and punch a thing literally 20 times his size but he did okay. and funny. she doesn't want quinn risking something like that not that she thinks he would go try and punch a worm or something but she doesn't think that this is a healthy mindset for him, that he's purposely putting himself in a darker place. So she wanted to resolve that more than anything else. Does she think she succeeded? Because Quinn kind of yelled at everybody and I think made it pretty clear why he was upset. In a way, she feels like it's progress because at least he's talking. Um, whereas before he was just ignoring everyone in not doing anything, not communicating. Now, at least he's communicating. So she sees it as progress, not necessarily success. Mm -hmm. What's Peregrine's uh, perspective on the whole current situation? Cause she's also having a bit of a couple of days what with her new magic, uh, just um, spouting yeah. out everywhere. And then she got woken up in the middle of the night by like Quinn and everyone screaming. Um, I mean, part of it is one of the big things she has in common with Quinn is this, my family is gone or in danger. Mm -hmm. And like, she had to make a choice when they were standing there asking for that water. And he was like, is it, for, is it for Quinn or is it for Perry? And Perry's like, no, it's not for me. It's definitely not for me. And so she recognizes how big that sacrifice was that everyone was expecting him to make and the amount of pressure that was on him. So for her, it was like, it, she recognizes how hard that choice had to be. And while, yes, he had to make a choice, laying it at his feet and not giving any other ideas was unfair and cruel in her mind. So as per usual lately, Perry lost her temper and we just got lucky she didn't sprout wings. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> But for her, 
one thing that's bothering her is this disconnect that part of she thinks part of why they lost Dobby was because they didn't know him well enough for that ritual to succeed. Like they didn't know enough to make the right, you know, offerings to say the right things to bring him back. Um, which is why it's kind of funny that, you know, Quinn had the big success um, when they had the most contentious relationship. Um, so like for her, that's part of the problem is we're at odds and we're so closed off from one another. And then for, you know, everybody to put all that pressure on one person and to make that divide worse, she doesn't want to see anybody else dead. She is terrified that she's going to bury another friend. Hmm. Uh, interesting situation. How do both of your characters feel about Quinn's sort of power grab? Because um, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily wrong that perhaps your group does need a leader of sorts, but it was an odd way to go about it. That's just my opinion, by the way. You feel free think differently. I don't know if Quinn really wants to be the leader. He um, I think he probably doesn't. Yeah, he's very frustrated right now, and I think because that's part of the conflict that's going on, he just wants to be done with it. I think that's very much how Quinn is. Um, I don't know who <laughs> group leader would be, honestly. No one. None of us is qualified to lead. None of us are qualified if, to lead, Jake. None of us. I mean, if I had want to, to, if I had to guess. Sinric. Really? Why is it Perry? I mean, I would, I would, and, and not to, you know, to Perry's horn, but I think Perry is probably the most together right now. Um, and the most. Minus the magic. Ma so. Minus the magic, but she has no control over and good Lord knows what's, what's about to happen to her. Um, um, uh, and, and I hear the DM's evil laughter in the background. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I would have said Perry when we were still in Saraton. Mm -hmm. um, but after uh, getting to her people and seeing what was happening and after, not necessarily after Dobby, because um, I think anybody, any of the characters could have had uh, a very emotional reaction, but uh, Perry's kind of willingness to just jump into the fight, I think kind of... I mean, in her defense, it wasn't necessarily willingness to jump into a fight so much as it was the instinct to defend her people. True. Um, which True. to me shows like, she, because she does have a very protective instinct. Yeah. Like something was stalking them. She stood up and said, hey, in hopes that it was her people and not, you know, some sort of monstrosity as it usually is. Um, and then, you know, she's the first to jump off the cart, turn into a bear and start savaging shit to protect her friends. Yeah. And I, I um, think that fits Perry better than than leader right now, especially. She is very much a protector. She's the first on the battlefield. She's the last one off. Um, I mean, by that nature, that, that's kind of what I see a leader as, is the, is the first one to take the, and the last to leave, leave no man behind which is very Perry. Not that Perry wants to lead at all um, in any shape, form, or fashion. Very, very um, Perry. Bear captain. Um, <laughs> the only reason I say Sinric is just because he's probably one of the most level-headed characters in the group. 
That's fair. And even, I, I don't know what his wisdom stat is off the top of my head, but he plays Cynric as this very wise, I've seen a lot of shit. I know yeah. when, you know, a fight's going to happen. And I know when we can just kind of talk things out. So I, I feel like because of that, he feels more like a leader. But again, I don't think he wants to be the leader. I think he wants to go find, get, take care of this, go buy a small rowboat, go out into a lake and fish. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, as far as uh, Quinn's actions, I mean, Perry knows he's got a temper. When Sinric died, he lost his shit in a temple, got him kicked out rather than finding help. So, like, she recognizes that a lot of what he's doing is out of temper and anger and grief and sorrow and also just pure frustration because we don't work together as a group and it gets us kicked to shit and back. Um, and I kind of, like, me personally, I saw his reasoning. If y'all want to make me make these hard choices, fine. I'll make the hard choices. Um, and Perry kind of sees that too, although she's not going to follow anybody's orders. Not unless she absolutely has to. Interesting. We'll see how the group dynamic continues to evolve, especially now that you've got a new person with a new personality and his puppy. Um, let's backtrack a little bit because I don't think we've had Jake on for a couple of episodes. Um, so something interesting that happened, the episode Dobby died, I think, at the end of the episode. Yeah, at the end of the Dobby died is Oriana got in touch with her mother. Tell me a bit about that. Yes, do share. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Um... <laughs> it's on camera. Yeah, it is. Um... You will roll the tapes, Jake. Yeah. Um, well, when we last leveled up, we got access to third level slots and third level spells. And something Ori had learned about from Quinn using it was sending. Uh, a way to use magic to contact people across great distances. So she wanted to be able to emulate that for her own abilities so that she could reach out to people that she knew. Her mother being um, the first person she wanted to talk to and to sort of apologize for leaving home as she did. Um, little to, or, or I guess much to my surprise, uh, I guess Oriana's mom's not uh, like, or is she? I guess she's familiar with sending. So I don't know what Oriana wants to make of that yet, or is trying to make of that. Because in Oriana's mind, her mom wasn't a practitioner of magic. She didn't like try and teach her magic or anything like that. All of the magic Oriana had as a, as a child was just innate tiefling magic, you know, mage hand, grab the cookie from the cookie jar kind of thing. Is her mom a tiefling or is she not? Her mom's a tiefling, yeah. Then she would also have innate tiefling magic. Likely, but to Oriana, like nothing yeah. like learned magic. Like that was not a part of her. Yeah, or just like, that's mom. She's a mom. She does mom things. Yeah. I, I don't, well, do, I don't... You, do you ever really know your parents think about it rather <laughs> <laughs> not um so yeah that that was a very strange uh encounter she had expected her mom to be mad but she didn't expect her mom to be like oh yeah this thing 
It was a cute little conversation too, because I think I remember her mom being like, essentially, hi, you stupid child, I love you, bye. Mm-hmm. Pretty it much, pretty yeah, pretty much. It That's was, much it was delightful and endearing. Mm-hmm. That's cute. I hope we get to meet Oriana's mom at some point. I'm sure we will. Well, we're um, going to her hometown soon. To do. soon. Okay, soon. Okay, uh, into the woods. Uh, so um, just like initially as you were coming close to where you knew the ocean were, how was Perry feeling at the prospect of like meeting her cousins who she doesn't really know? There's a lot of nervousness, especially after what the emperor said before they left. Um, she has no idea who they are or what they're like. Um, she literally knows just the old song that they were taught that listed all the tribes. So part of it is who are these people? What are these people going to be like? Um, I mean, she's going to, you know, fall back on some of her old traditions to greet people and be polite and all of that. But at the same time, she's really nervous about, are they going to be okay? Has the sickness gotten to them? Are they going to be angry that they were, you know, that that someone strange was coming? Um, have they been, you know, sheltering their people the way that she was sheltered? Or do they know more? Um, mm-hmm. And part of her is kind of excited at the prospect of maybe they know more. Maybe they have more information because she's dying to know more at this point and desperate for information. Ironically, they may have died for what they knew. Um. Anyway, yeah. Let's 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 see if the, you know if if DM wants to like absolutely crush Perry Friday. Oh, I'm uh, sure she does. Um, serenity, she does. Anyway, so talk a little bit about um about the little fight you had before you made it to the Ocean Den encampment with the weird whatever hmm. they were. The Perry tried to talk to you, but it didn't work. <laughs> Um, I think we got really lucky that more of us weren't incapacitated. Um, really, really lucky. Um, but Perry left that fight feeling really good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because she had actually been able to protect her friends. So, and she's, and that was sort of her cue that something was wrong was these were like you know, these were monstrous, like the creatures that attacked them when Senric died. And so she realizes there's something corrupt here at in and of itself terrifies her some. Got you. Pretty standard combat. Otherwise, I think some cool stuff. Uh, <coughs> sorry. Anyway, it was a bit of um a weird welcome that Perry got at her cousin's place. It was a bit of a mess, you know? Yeah, um, that's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they must have uh, not called the cleaning lady yet for something. They were not expecting company, perhaps. I don't think Perry really said. Did she send a message ahead that she was coming? Uh, no, nobody knows. I mean, her people know she left in search of answers. That's it. Hmm. She has no way of contacting them, no way of knowing who to contact. Um, they were a location, she didn't get that location until she spoke to Fulton a second time. Uh, and oh, Perry's broken little heart when she realized he did know things he didn't tell her. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> what does it matter? <laughs> um, 
Cool. Yeah. So you all got your butts kicked a little, kind of trounced, sort of stomped, you know, just a little bit. Um, I know Perry was obviously absolutely furious, livid, and emotional um, seeing like this hooded figure just going around murdering uh, her people who she did not know, but were still hers. Or mm-hmm. we assume they were her people. I don't think we actually managed to oh, no, check any no, of the bodies. No, but... because we got the shit kicked out of us instead. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, so Perry was very gung-ho, um, but everyone else sort of just followed along. I know I was Perry's furious. Orion is a bit more of the diplomatic type. Did she just sort of get carried along in the heat of battle? Um, so after Dobby died, Oriana doesn't want to see any more death than, you know, she has to. She wants to try and save as many people as she can. So when we saw a figure apparently slitting something's throat Mm -hmm. and it appeared to be a humanoid creature oriana's first instinct was you know throw out a healing word or something and see if you know we can at least stabilize that creature and then figure out what the hell is going on Mm -hmm. um but by the time (laughs) by the time oriana was anywhere near being able to try and save uh this life uh (laughs) Puppy Perry was already uh, regular Perry again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, at that point, Oriana is just like, okay, this thing is stronger than anything we faced. Um, st- st- stop. <laughs> Hold person, please. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah. Um, at what point during that uh, during that combat did you realize you had sort of been off more than you could chew as a party? Uh, as a player or as a character? Whichever. Uh, as a player, as soon as I realized it was Liz. <laughs> um, to be honest, uh, the the minute Perry lost Wild Shape, her last Wild Shape mm-hmm. in one attack, um, Perry knew she was fucked. Um, and so did I. Oh no. And then I was like, and then. I had completely forgotten, even though it's in my notes, that two members of, of Lux Iterna had been sent down well, that way. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. At that point, I think it was just Liz Visible still, though. I don't think um, the other I one think was we there. only saw Liz. We only saw Liz, but like Meta, I knew like once we got in there and like we started getting locked around, it was like, oh, shit. I rem- and I started like paging through my notes real quick and I was like, oh, oh, well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Just tried to maul a member of Lux Iterna. Good job, Perry. You're having a banner day. Um, yeah. As soon as uh, Charlie showed up, um, that's when Oriana probably figured, maybe these are Lux Eterna. They're certainly as strong as the rest of Lux Eterna. Hopefully these people are trying to kill us. And then a dagger comes yeah. flying out from the shadows and smacks her right in the face and knocks her out unconscious in one hit. <laughs> That's just how it is sometimes, you know? It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> It'd be like that. Um, anyway. So Uber party beats the shit out of you. Teaches you a lesson. Yeah, we'll see what lesson you learn uh, next episode. Um, with that, we are going to move on to our topic for the day, which is fear of the mind versus maps and minis. Um, obviously, all big parts of D&D. So first off, do you guys have like a preference between fear of the mind and like maps and minis, or are they appropriate for different situations? What's your opinion? 
I would say appropriate for different situations. Yeah, I agree. Depending on what model of game you're running, um, certain certain game mo- or certain games just don't benefit from a map, mm-hmm. um, either because they don't have like a movement mechanic in terms of like you can only move X amount of spaces or something like that, or um, uh, you know the combat's just that simple that you don't really need a map for it. Yeah. Um, Whenever I play in 5e, I try and at least have a grid, if not an actual map, um, just so that it's easier to keep track of where everybody is. I've mm-hmm. tried running Theater of the Mind in Dungeons & Dragons, and boy, boy does it take a lot of focus to just figure out where everybody is if you're doing it in Theater yeah. of the Mind. I mean, I kind of feel the same way because I mean, if you're if you're in a tavern and it's suddenly a tavern brawl, then you don't need a map. But if you're in 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 a literal dungeon, face against like four or five creatures, and some stuff flies and some stuff is 60, 70 feet away, then a map is going to be handy because you don't know like how far. And like, I've played theater of the mind games, and like there'll be just a page of notes that says things like. 50 feet away, move up, you know, to remind myself of how far I need to go. Because otherwise I won't remember. I really won't. I'll be too busy worrying about what spell I'm going to sling or whether or not I'm going to hit the next arrow shot. True beans. Um, So would you then say that is it easier to run with maps? Like easier to run a combat? If it's a big combat or if it's something where the terrain matters. definitely but if like i like laura said if it's like a tavern brawl because you know the dwarf got drunk and decided to pick a fight with somebody then i think theater of the mind works perfectly well that's the very important tavern brawl (laughs) you never know what's gonna happen maybe the dungeon in the tavern you'll know um do not start something new jake um, oh, actually, what, what if there was like um, I don't know, a trap door in the floor of the tavern that you get dropped down? Okay, now I'm thinking of stuff. Anyway, so how do you keep track of where everything is when you are theater of the minding? Because obviously, like combat in D and D, like how you move, where you move, is a pretty big mechanic. Mm-hmm. And where things are positioned is pretty important when it comes to like shooting stuff hitting stuff, spelling stuff? Uh, I mean, it's going to sound kind of oversimplified, but uh, I literally just pictured the battlefield in my mind. Um, I picture it like I'm an observer, you know, in Mm -hmm. a hot of it, and I'm watching all of my characters. Like, if I'm running it, especially. Mm -hmm. um, You know, I'm picturing where all the characters are, where they are in relation to each other. Is this person close enough that they can get into melee range to use their sword? Yes. Is this person uh, far enough away that they can't get into melee range? Okay, so they're using their bow, you know, things like that. Um, As a player, if a DM is running theater of the mind, then I I will literally sometimes just close my eyes and let the Mm -hmm. image kind of like play out in my head Mm -hmm. and just as if I was a first person, you know, video game playing Skyrim or something. Jake's always got a map. Jake's always got a map. It's just in his brain. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I find when we're playing Theater of the Mind, a lot of things just become like fast and loose. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. okay, it makes sense for you to have been able to get this close. 
or no, you can't, it's, uh, you know, you're too far away because I mean, I, I do kind of similar. I just like try to picture the, the map in my mind and remember where everybody is. And then I take like a ton of notes that are then useless when the fight is over. <laughs> um, scratch paper. Um, was otherwise, I mean, it's, it's really hard to remember, Hey, well, I have the spell that's like this big and, you know, I'm going to fireball, but where is everybody? And am I going to, you know, smack six of my party members as well as that one guy I really want to hit. Mm-hmm. That's funny too. Also, Jake, you make me feel so sloppy now because like whenever I've run theater of the mind combats, I just totally make stuff up on the fly. I'm like, yeah, you're close enough. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, that, because- that's, yeah. Uh, sorry go ahead no I was gonna say mostly because um like for for me personally whenever I have important combats I will always try to have a map for like random encounters or just you decide to fight this guy type combats I'll usually theater of the mind it because you know it's fast and loose so I'm, okay we don't want to spend too much time on this combat so I'm gonna mostly let this go pretty fast just to be fun yeah in any any kind of like combat that has weight to it i would probably make a map even if it's mm-hmm. in a model that's not or sorry a, um uh a, a campaign setting that's or what's the word i'm looking for here system? uh system yes yeah, sorry we are specifically uh, talking about D though yeah um but any kind of combat with relevance or importance i would always use a map for it. even if it's just a 30 foot by 30 foot by 30 foot cube you know like i at that point this needs to be thought out and this needs to be worked around and how you're going to navigate the, yeah. the, the battle you don't want you know the fight with the giant lich to just be a i throw a fireball i throw a magic missile i fire my ball okay you guys win yeah you know oh, like you okay wanted now. to feel more yeah yeah, definitely. Um, so do you like ever, do you guys like ever design your own maps, make them from scratch, or do you usually find a map somewhere and just like make your combat fit it? I've tried making maps in Roll20, so I play mostly through Roll20. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've tried making maps in Roll20. It is a long and arduous process. <laughs> so nine times out of 10, if I find a, a like background or something that works for it and it's got something on there that I didn't really want, I just add it to the encounter. You know, if there's a fallen column or something, then, oh, well, yeah, yeah, there's this fallen column in the middle of, uh, in the, middle of the road. I don't, know, I don't know. You guys are going to have to try and figure out how to get around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will take maps. And then if it's like a, an important story-based encounter, I will add things in to make it look more uh like what i am yeah i mean i think i might be the only one of the group who hasn't dm'd yet um soon soon actually uh prepping to run icewind dale um i think um i know chat has gotten this like really cool map making software that i really want to get my hands on um and and mess with uh but I mean, I probably, it's going to be kind of like a combination of both. Like if I can find a map that I don't have to build from scratch, then I'm going to use that. Um, Cause I can focus on more important stuff. Um, like, you know, what actually is going to happen. But you know, if, if, if the situation calls for a map that doesn't exist, you're gonna have to do something about that. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I did back when I was running my game. I would have, like, if I found a cool map, I'd be like, okay, I can use this for this or that. But several, like, combats I needed, like, specific maps. So I remember I actually made a round map once because I designed a panopticon. Um, and then one time I spent a lot, quite a bit of time actually making three different floors of a mansion, which had secret passages. And then Serenity's character just teleported straight to the top floor. So... <laughs> That sounds like a serenity thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, good times. Um, anyway, so uh, as for like the way maps look and sort of the aesthetic of maps, how important do you think they are for setting the mood? I know serenity uses like these really cool like moving oh, maps gosh. quite a bit, which are uh, quite fun uh, to look at. Dynamic dungeons. Mm -hmm. I, I love those maps so much. They're so cool. Um. I think there's a reason companies like Dwarven Forge are, you know, make so much money off of their products and so many people get it. It adds so much more to have um, just this physical representation of the world that you're moving through. Mm -hmm. um, like, I think back to when I, the first time I played D&D, which was right before college, it was the end of high school. And we had a just piece of graph paper that covered the entire table and some lines drawn on it to show like what the walls of the dungeon look like. And the DM would move pieces of paper off to show like as we were going through what it looked like. And then I think about what like the maps that Serenity has, the things you can do with Dwarven Forge products now, hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> if you want to sponsor um, us, Dwarven Forge. If you do, free. yes. Um, <laughs> we have an email address. We will give it to you. Uh, um, <laughs> I think it's in our But I, I, think, I think of all the things that are out there now, and I just think, wow. It's like you don't even need to picture it in your head. You can just see this world now. And that's just amazing to me. It, it enhances the experiment. Or experiment. Experience. d, &D so, is an experiment. It is always it is an experiment. experiment. It's in a what, experiment. <laughs> what shenanigans are we going to get up to now? Oh. Uh, is it what is D D but a study of human nature right um so do you think that like having a map uh is like better for immersion or i would say so yeah, yeah. i mean you know not not to plug another show but we've seen what cr does you know yeah uh, the immersion mm -hmm. level is pretty I mean, it's, I mean, for me, like, I, I remember when I first started playing D&D, we had, like, just this great big poster-sized, uh, like, it was, like, it was made by Post-it, and it was just, like, these big pieces of paper that you could flip, and we just, it wasn't even graph paper, we just drew whatever it was supposed to be and covered it up, um, and we had no minis, so it was always, like, uh, you know, well, you are this D4 now. Um, <laughs> You're the corner. Yeah. There's um, the here you're you know you're you are a lego person and 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 you're an action figure i stole from my son it's fine but like not not that anything you know not that that took away from the experience but like having a world you're actually immersed in makes it so much easier to just like dive deep mm -hmm. and not leave character and not remember that oh no we're just you know we're rolling math math rocks and uh playing pretend here 
Which is exactly what we're doing. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, um, um, they make some very cool, like, physical maps these days. Um, I don't think I've ever played D&D with a physical map. Personally, I've played other systems with, like, the graph paper and little minis. Um, but I've seen, like, little modules where you can, like, interchange them in a dungeon. They have walls. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. CR makes pretty good maps, and Dimension 20 makes incredibly intricate maps. It's their mm -hmm. shtick. So good. Um, yeah, someday. Someday. Just want to see a little mini of, like, a little dragon. I want to fight that little dragon. This is my personal D&D dream. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, um, do you guys think maps can ever be limiting? Because like that does sort of limit the whole combat to one area, whereas the combat can move away. Sometimes I've had um, like many times where we have to go off map and just start the theory of the minding, even if we started on a map. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, that's always going to be a limit of, of the <laughs> technology that you have available. Um, you know, you can make a, a, a battle map in, an, in a desert wasteland full of sand and nothing else. And if the party just decides, well, we're going to run off the map to, you know, get away from this thing. Well, what do you do? Yeah. Um, you know, nine times out of 10, that just, you know, well, or we're, or we'll put you guys on this side of the map and then they got to cross this side and then the, you know, yeah. something like that. Um, but in, in general, I I don't think maps are necessarily limiting, limited. Yeah. But I don't think limiting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, many, many times we've been driven off map. Well, you're like 40 feet off the map. You're sitting mm -hmm. here on the edge. But remember, it's going to take you 40 feet of movement to be back where you're standing right now. Um, you know. Just, just remember that you're not actually on the map. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't ever really find it limiting because like I can, you know, imagine being 40, 50 feet off map. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not hard. They are limited though. I mean, it's not like we can like create these virtual maps that just, you know, keep building out. Like we're playing um, a game where um, like we play house on haunted hill and you just build the mansion as you go. So you could just add a tile. Um, so you can't just like add a piece cool. of map. Uh, which would be really cool. Um, I'm sure this technology is coming. Shout out to whoever is developing map technology. Please make that a thing. Um, Ooh, like a little 3D holographic table that like just projects Ooh. the image. And Ooh, you just v no, no, no. VR D&D maps. Yep, there we go. That's, this is that's the, the next, ticket. The next level of nerdetry. It's basically just LARP at that point. Um, yes. <laughs> every so often we just reinvent LARPing. Anyway, um, uh, do you think is like combat different in on maps versus theater of the mind? Like, obviously, the basic mechanics are the same, but do you think theater is more loose? Do you think um, I don't know it's more disorganized? Like, what's what's the difference? How are the vibes different? Tell me the vibes. I mean, when you're theater of the mind, you're often playing real fast and loose with where mm -hmm. everybody is and how well you can do something and, you know, what, you know, how the rules are going to affect you. I mean, obviously the mechanic doesn't change. Um, you're still going to take an attack of opportunity, but at the same time, like when you're theater of the mind, you, if you, if you are so hidebound to like, oh, this is exactly how we have to do combat every time it's going to take six hours because you can't remember whether you were 30 feet or 40 feet away 
Mm-hmm. And do those 10 feet really matter in, you know, in the crux of the thing? I mean, so, I mean, I find, I find that theater of the mind is a lot more disorganized, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people talk occasionally about how D&D's combat system is kind of wonky and it's either limiting or it takes forever. And you look at like some of the, how long some combats take even, um, I feel like theater of the mind is a great way to play if you're not interested in the combat as like a, no, we need to follow all the rules all the time. Or yeah. rather, you know, you're more, you're more interested in just the story. How does the fight impact the story? You know, and okay, you use your movement to, to move to where you want. How, how close am I to that? You're, you made it to the guy. Who cares? You know, it's <laughs> yeah, something like cool. that. Uh, Do it, the stabby thing. It's fine. Yeah, it's very much the let's get the rules out of the way and just have fun with the story mm-hmm. for theater of the mind. And like Laura said, that does ca- create this sort of chaos in terms of the rules. But if you're not caring about the rules, then does it matter? I mean, if you're not caring about the rules, does anything matter? I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say you don't care about the rules when you do a theater of the mind. Yeah. Um, uh, well, you don't care about like movement and combat and things like that. Like, I mean, if, this well, guy is a hundred feet away, you can't get to him. You know, and move closer. Okay, you're moving closer. Who cares? You know, like it, it's it's not it's less. You know, uh, is the guy thirty feet away or is he twenty five feet away? Doesn't matter. You know. Yeah, I mean, close quarters theater of the mind i mean you're not really concerned about distance you're more concerned about okay well am i too close to shoot him with an arrow okay fine i just punch him in the face (laughs) um that sort of thing but i mean i i do i do understand the critique of like combat can take an eternity if people don't know what they're going to do or if there's like it's it's your party of six versus like 20 creatures Mm -hmm. um even if it's, oh, look, it's just 20 kobolds. It's fine. These shouldn't take this long. But that's 20 other things that have to move first. Um, so, like, for Theater of the Mind, it does kind of, like, let you relax. Because you aren't focused on the big things that make combat clunky. Like, okay, well, you have to move 70, 80 feet to get there. Um but at the same time, the rules do still apply. They're just looser and easier to like work around. More like guidelines. Yes. No, there's still rules. There's still no, they're rules, definitely. But... Rules. Uh, <laughs> please remember the rules just a little bit. It makes things a, a lot little easier. bit, just a little sprinkling of the rules to add some spice to the role play, you know. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, so. Laura, you have not yet DM. Jake, have you ever DM'd like a physical game and used maps there? Did you do the whole grid paper or? Uh, DM'd? No, I've the only physical uh, games I've played in, I was always a player. Um, but I've done pen and paper and then I've done, I had a group that I was a part of for a while um, where he actually had like uh, actual <laughs> buildable sets and things like that. That was very interesting and very cool. Just seeing this like three-story tower turret that you had to either climb up or figure a way to get through or something like that was awesome. That's cool as hell. Where do you get the the turret? Uh, You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's probably Dwarven Forge, but I don't know for sure. 
again, not sponsored. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. I just think there are so many, there's so much potential for physical mass these days, especially with like 3D printing, because you can just make anything mm-hmm. if you have, you have the formula, what you call like the template for a 3D printed. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, what is it called? It might just be template. It might just be template. I think you're right. It's highly possible. I mean, we have like a couple of friends who have a 3D printer and I don't yeah, know. I know guys three, 3D printer sale. <laughs> Uh, some cool shit. Okay. Um, I think we're just about done. So we're going to, even though we started a little bit late, I think we're going to end about three minutes early. Cause I did actually get through all my questions for once. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on the stream. Sorry about making you wait. Cause you were waiting for my Aaron to come back on. Um, yeah, obviously will. Yeah. Things happen. I don't know why it went out. It was just completely random. But we, uh, we're all looking forward to seeing what happens on Friday. So audience, tune back in on Friday for the exciting whatever happens next on <laughs> Roll for Damage. It's always exciting. It's always next. Um, then tune back here on Tuesday for the next uh, follow-up to whatever happens on Friday. Check out our store. We've got tank tops. We've got t-shirts. They all look pretty cool. Sereni was uh, kind enough to model them for us the other day. I'm waiting to order my because I just got birthday money. Um, thank you to Lady Meows and to Sunbird for doing our for doing our art and our music. They're amazing. Uh, and thank you all to all the viewers. Make sure you register to vote. Those are all my notes for today. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs>